Tenet, Spicy, and Nights and Bikes. This is Staying In. I got uh, an unusual gift for Christmas, mm -hmm. and I want I want the Sage Council to determine whether it is a genuinely nice present or mm. a slightly sarcastic one. Okay. Um, Can we just check, Sam, is this a gift from your father, whose legendary status as a gift giver has been talk um, spoken about before on the pod? No, my dad actually didn't send us anything for Christmas. He sent my son a, a card, uh, but his words for me were, we'll have to wait till we're meeting in person. Oh no! <laughs> so that, I hope it's so I hope it's not perishable. Can I ask? Did the card was the card signed from Mick brackets Granddad? <laughs> no, it was actually really sweet. Oh. It's like, and it was like one of those massive like fold out concertina cards with a massive oh, long bless. poem in. Oh, I like them. And he he wrote in it. It was really sweet. It was like lots of love from Granddad brackets. You might have to have get help from someone to to read this. That's very nice. That's very sweet. Okay, well, tell us what the tell us what the gift is. Give us some context. Okay, give you some context. So uh, this was from my mother and father-in-law, who um, I think like me. I think I, th I think they do. Um, and it is a mug, mm -hmm. and it's one of those uh, like is it like a tin mug? Like a yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a tin mug. Yeah. A really nice, like, sturdy kind of thing, for, you know, when I'm around the house doing jobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the side of the mug, it says the following words. In case of emergency, ask Sam. Hashtag source of all wisdom. And then it's got a picture of a light bulb with the words bright and spark either side of the of the light bulb. Yeah. I'll hold it up to the camera now so you can all... Okay, so it ask Sam, source of all wisdom. Yeah. yeah. It sounds more of a brag, Sam, to be honest. Than yeah. <laughs> yeah, this feels like a humble brag, doesn't it? <laughs> My parents-in-law think I'm intelligent. I'm great. Guys, do you think that's weird? <laughs> yeah. The font of all knowledge. Um, yeah. I guess you can read it that way. <laughs> oh. I guess I guess you could. Oh well, never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that's lovely. Source source of all knowledge. Also, I guess um, I guess you could read it as in case of emergency, Sam, who has called, who has caused the emergency, will know what it is on account of having caused it. Bright spark. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, right, right. Like my own self confidence pitches it in that tone of voice. Right. No, I don't think they. I don't think they sell mugs specifically to make people feel terrible. I think they are. <laughs> I, I, I don't know many mugs that are specifically meant to make you feel awful. I think that's lovely. I think that what a lovely thing for uh, your uh, parents in laws. Parent, yes. Parent in laws. Yeah. Yes. Um, in laws. Yeah. Uh, the in laws. What a lovely, what a lovely thing to get, and a, and a nice tin one as well because they they do feel more rugged. I don't, I don't know when to use it though. When do you use a tin mug? You put it in the shed. Put it in the shed. It, and I don't have a shed anymore. Well, you got to buy a shed. <laughs> do I need to like dig a hole? I feel like I need to dig a hole and then, you yeah, know. and then and then take a swig from it every once in a while. Say, <laughs> so, oh, we've oh we've earned this. Because because the thing is, is like um, one of my Christmas presents to myself 
was a new uh, like chilies flask for hot drinks. Um, and because um, I bought my wife one, I was like, oh, while well, I'm here, I might as well buy myself one. Why not? And <laughs> I thought when I first unwrapped it, it was like, oh, this is great. A new mug that I can take to work and use in my chilies. Oh, mm, I can't no. really, I can't really take this mug into work, can I? You could. No, I think I think you can take it into a job interview, though. But I'll get bothered, won't I? What do you mean you'd be bothered? I'll be bothered. People will bother me. Yeah, but we've already discussed this. They all, they, they don't know your name's Sam. They call you things like Anton or Simon. Yeah, and... And then the, they'll think I've stolen it. <laughs> well, clearly not a bright spark, is he, that Sam? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stephen, what are you doing with that mug? <laughs> That's Sam's. <laughs> I tell you one thing I did do, I bought for myself, I spent a lot over the last month, I've bought myself a bed and I've bought myself a mattress online. We're talking about gift giving as being and buying a gift for yourself. I had a long conversation with Sam, um, trying to um and ah about buying a mattress because buying a mattress is something you physically want to go into a shop and experience. Sure. I've not been able to do that. So I've read a lot of mattress reviews online. Believe it or not, there is an entire website devoted just to reviewing mattresses. And the level of forensic detail you're joking no i am not and i've rinsed it all to find the right mattress for me allegedly that will work for me um <laughs> I, I it's going to be arriving in the next week or so it's one of those ones which is name just got a person's name and okay, you get a yeah. hundred sleeps on it if you don't like it they'll come and pick it up um and it's like a hybrid i was listening to sam's advice because you've got a hybrid mattress sam i believe we do we do have a hybrid because so, yeah. apparently Pete, if it's if it's all foam it gets you get too hot if your person tends to overheat when they sleep you don't want to go all foam apparently so i've gone for a hybrid that's somewhere in the middle uh some yeah kind of like the bed that i believe goldilocks would have slept in pretty much mm. so it's top half or top bit is foam below bit is springs but yeah there is a mat, there is a website that reviews mattresses in in, in incredible detail there's an amazing, um, there's an amazing YouTube channel that just reviews um, vacuums. Yeah, I've seen it. It's incredible. It's incredible. And like, the thing is that I, I do sit there and think, what an amazing life to lead. <laughs> like, so what do you do? Oh, I review mattresses for a living. What a strange start to a dinner party conversation. But also, it is incredibly useful, especially right now. I, I, when we went mattress shopping, it was like the worst few weeks uh, like of shopping i can ever why because like it was it, we went to loads and loads of shops sat and lay on loads and loads of mattresses and you can't judge a mattress from just laying on it with those weird plastic things at the bottom without any covers without any sheets on it you're lying there fully clothed and you it's like yeah yeah this one's for eight hours this one's nice i suppose that's your problem you were fully clothed <laughs> and we spent months and months going around so many shops looking for mattresses then we just bought one online <laughs> do, you, do you think it's like when you back in the days when people would go temping bowling and after you, you hand the shoes back and they just spray the inside of them do the people do that with the mattresses they just spray them all down after everyone's <laughs> on them. Oh, God. So i'm hoping it's going to be good this thing i really am have, you ever, have I ever told you the story at the time uh, me and my wife went bed shopping and we broke a bed? 
What? Again. What a brag. He's just bragging, Pete. Yeah, oh, just we... Um, constantly. We broke... Uh, oh, I, I know I'm the font of all knowledge, but uh, I actually broke a bed. <laughs> <laughs> we, went to, we went to a very popular... Um, Mm. Uh, um, a wood-based land of furniture. Okay. And yeah, yeah. we were uh, <laughs> hang on, and um, we were going, we were going looking for for a new bed. And again, when you look for a new bed, you just like lying on them, going, "Yeah, well, th- this is a bed." And um, my wife was laying on one, and then I came came and joined her, and I didn't get on it at all very vigorously i just laid on it and then suddenly this massive crush and the bed just kind of in cartoon style just like completely collapsed from underneath us and you know when we were just we just ended up just like laying there for a couple of minutes just like did I just make the bed collapse in the middle of a furniture superstore wow <laughs> i mean it is the modern day equivalent of did the world move for you yeah. <laughs> As part of, um, obviously, everyone here knows my New Year's resolution this year to crack an egg with one hand. Excellent. Um, it's going all right. Has it yet? Is it going all right? It's going okay? It's going all right, I think. Yeah, but not quite there yet. Okay. But um, as the other part of my resolution um, was, as you know, was to have one lunch every week that wasn't a sandwich and packet of crisps. Mm. And to help track that progress... I found a really good app, right? It's called Time Cap. And there's lots of different apps that are like this. Um, and they're basically like habit tracker apps. Okay. And I spent a lot of time like trying to find the best one for me. But I have to say, like, I found it exceptionally useful. So essentially all it is is like it's an app you, you just download, you have it on the phone, and basically you set like either uh, uh, like a goal that you got to complete or something you want to track or um, a certain um, like count activity that you want to count of that you've got to complete in like a day, a week, a month or a year. So um, for me, like this app means that I've got on it like no sandwich like every week and I can just like tick the box and it will log that I've done it for that week and then when the next week ticks along the the same like objective will come up and and like the app has been really good in being able to be like so eat two bits of fruit every day and every time I eat a bit of fruit I press a little button and it's like right yeah you've done one bit but now can you do two and like um, able to put like drink eight glasses of water every day and I can track it all on that and also it's like it's been really helpful in because because I've wanted to this year make more of an effort to like um, read more, watch more films um, and do more stuff like that. So I'm able to track stuff on it, like watch a film every month. And it means that like, so I can look at the app and go, right, oh, I've, I've got to be watching a film before this month is out to get this complete. And like, I've also put... Um, listen to an audiobook for three hours every month huh. and I can press a, I can press a button and it will start a timer and then when I listen to the audiobook um, it will stop the timer when I finished and so at the moment this month I've listened to an hour and 40 minutes of an audiobook and like it's stuff that I can slowly like increase and add to and like in, with the aim that I'll essentially start developing like habits around these kind of things um, 
yeah so i found that like really useful and i have to say that the watch of watch one film every month has been smashed this month really absolutely you have scheduled i'm i'm really i've i mean i've banked films for the rest of the the year almost um and and some pretty good ones as well we watched soul the other day the new disney pixar oh right okay yeah what's that about it's about a um, a guy, a jazz uh, teacher who was formerly a jazz artist, uh, dies and doesn't want to go to the quote-unquote great beyond. So uh, tries to um, get back into his body on earth. And you say it's about jazz? Well, there's, he, he's just like a jazz... Yeah. Jazz musician. Like, yeah, I don't think jazz is really the thesis of the film. No. Right. Because it's called soul jazz. <laughs> it's about, like, you know, meaning of life, purpose of being. Oh. Kids' film, is All it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it. the problem with the film is when it reminds itself about halfway through that it should actually be a kids' film. Like, the bit leading up to it, like, the existential stuff is really interesting. And then it suddenly remembers, oh, damn, this should be... Right, put his body into a cat and put that body into a person and yeah, then... We're, we're missing a fart gag here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm also watching... I'm three... Hugo and I are three quarters of the way through Onward, which is another Disney Pixar Yes, I've film, watched that. Uh, which I'm actually really enjoying, actually. I was pleasantly surprised by it, actually. Really good. Like, some of the best slapstick... Um, I've watched in a long time. But also, I think for you as a new dad, I think it's a lovely thing to watch yes. for your son. Yes. And uh, Chris and I also watched Tenant. And Hugo was there as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, he was very vocal uh, in his opinions, actually. I was quite surprised. <laughs> he slept for most of it, and then it got to a point where he'd had enough. Yeah. So, sorry, it's Tenant? Tenant. 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 T-E-N-E-T. Oh, it's okay, a right. palindrome. So what's yeah. uh, Tenet? What's Tenet about? What do I... Oh, Ooh, blimey. I can... Riley, Charlie. Oh, I it's mean... going to be one of them movies, isn't it? Pete, do you remember <laughs> 10 years ago that I came to Bristol and I showed you Inception? <laughs> yes, I do. I remember yeah, watching it's, that. It's that guy who did that. Okay, yeah. I, the one with the... Um, uh, he spins the spinner and then it doesn't fall down, but maybe it does? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Tenet, right... In Tenet, there's this guy, and he's literally called the protagonist. Right? Oh, so no! Him. No! No, I had enough of that. I had enough of that with Snow Crash, where the guy's, the, the main character's name is Hero Protagonist. And I was like, you, fine. On this one occasion, I will let you get away with it. Okay. So, right. No. Um, so, in this film, he, through a series of events... He discovers um, that inverted objects are a thing, right? Okay, so he discovers that through some degree of radiation, someone has been able to invert objects, which is essentially reverse the process of entropy. Yes, which is essentially they they're managing to send objects backwards through time okay um okay because the idea is the big bad of the film is trying to essentially reverse all of time to stop 
a big climatic um, um, climate event that's referenced but but not seen. So the the idea of the film is essentially is just like the name suggests, Tenet is it's a palindromic film. So essentially, the whole film is based around set pieces where you see them forwards, but you also see them backwards at the same time and how those two things interact with each other. So characters like interact with themselves coming backwards into a scene whilst they're always also going forwards. Yeah. But then later on in the film, you'll always also see them traveling as inverted. So they're traveling forwards in their timeline, but really they're going backwards to everyone else. Um, and interacting with the people who are going forwards through time, and it it's a, yeah it it's a Bond movie, but with science science fiction. Yeah, in the same way that Inception was a heist movie with mm-hmm. a science fiction kind of action kind of layering on it. Really, right, right. Yeah, I remember. I think it was my dad was teaching me entropy, and I was trying to talk to Hugo about it as well. <laughs> what, what, what? Like. Like one of the examples I like, because it's entropy, broadly speaking, it's as Sam was saying, it's a measure of uncertainty of randomness, how everything kind of gives into that kind of chaos. So if, you know, for example, Pete, if you left like a stack of paper, like A4 paper on your desk and you came back into your office two hours later, it was on the floor. You wouldn't think too weirdly about that because it's, you know, it's natural. Maybe there's a draft, a window open or something like that, and it's caused it to scatter. However, if you had deliberately scattered papers over the floor and you came back into your office two hours later and they'd formed a nice, neat little stack, that would be weird. There's a kind of a natural order. And in the same way that, like, physicists define, in part, a definition of life is actually a resistance to entropy. If we don't feed ourselves, if we don't, you know, make sure we're fed and watered, if we're not drinking eight pints of water a day, that kind of thing, like, eventually we will become like that stack of paper that kind of disperses and 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 in this it's imagining well actually what if i could instead make the cause the effect and the effect the cause so a bullet that's embedded in a wall the the actual effect of that is that it'll one day get fired out of a wall into a gun and it, this is actually in my opinion the first time travel film i've watched it make because actually Back to the Future and Endgame, they're not time travel films, they're time jump films. You know, I pick a point in history I want to go to. We were talking about it in the last episode, if we could go back. We weren't, you know, we weren't traveling to that point, essentially. We were jumping to it. In Tenet, you do not jump. You have to encounter it in real time. So if I wanted to go back to a week ago, I would have to reverse myself and then it'll take me a week to go back through that flow of time to get to that point. And... My issue with Tenet is not that we saw it on a small screen because Sam's got a very nice TV and he has a very patient son. Um, yeah. yeah, these are all just these are all just more humble bags for Sam, really, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not a space on this mug, <laughs> yeah. but it's the fact that the more films Christopher Nolan does, the less he he does any kind of exposition, and the more he keeps grounding his stuff. Like what makes Inception something that is comprehensible is the fact that it's an elegant concept but you know you you've got a character there ariadne who says questions like who's subconscious are we in now yeah you've got the you, there, there's the analog for the for the viewer yeah basically. like neo in the matrix which sam yeah. has been watching with hugo as well 
Mm-hmm. Like we, we learn we learn with that person. And to start off with in Tenet, we're learning with the protagonist. But there comes a point where he just gets it. it quite traditionally with time movement films, I can't call them time travel films anymore, apparently, Chris. There, there, comes a, there comes a point in most time travel movies. It happens in Endgame. I think it happens in Austin Powers. Um, I think it happens slightly in The Good Place where they just go like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, Jeremy like Jeremy Berrimi, just like time. It's timey wimey, wibbly wobbly. Don't just sit back and watch it. Like that happens incredibly early in Tenet, and the protagonist just goes along with it, and you're just like, no, ha- but hang on, I had, I had questions. Um. <laughs> like there, there, you know the scene I'm about to talk about, Sam. There's an interrogation scene, Pete. I still can't quite wrap my head around. And I know it's really yes. clever, but because Christopher Nolan doesn't let anything slip, he doesn't have that kind of thing that Steven Spielberg would do, where the camera pulls back and we see the different parts and we're able to kind of take it all and go, okay, right, yep, 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 yep. Uh, yep. Because there's a sequence towards the end where you've got one character that exists at three places at once because they're just inverting back and forth. But you know it's happening, but you're not you're not really kind of given that point where you see them all happening simultaneously think oh yeah cool i'm brought up to speed now you're just you're just it's just hoped that you'll get it and you'll follow it and and i don't know whether he just takes umbrage with the fact of what he feels is spoon feeding us but i think it's kind of backfired a little bit because i think the more i will watch tenant the more i will understand it but i think the less i'll enjoy it because you'll start to realize there are some issues with it i think its concept is very well structured it's very well thought out again like inception he spent a long time thinking it through but the neglect then is certain characters like elizabeth Fiki's character who's basically her role is wife and mother um who's a fantastic actor mm-hmm. but not given much to do and it's a shame really because chris and doesn't seem to have a very good track record with being able to write women or know what to do with them really and unfortunately he's, he's this is the case also with this really um he makes Kenny Branagh quite scary, which is quite a good thing. <laughs> quite an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, it just didn't. It didn't have the sense of coolness. I th- I thought I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a great spy movie. Like, I think give give Christopher Nolan a chance to make a Bond film or a straight up and down like spy movie. I think I think he just needs to do you, one. You see it with like um, again Inception. Quite a lot of the Dark Knight movies and in um, in Tenet, quite a lot of all the set pieces are essentially based around heists of getting into a situation and trying to get out the best way possible. And I think he's just desperate to make a make a, a, a spy thriller. Like uh, my, like you were saying, Chris. Like my main issue with this film is is something that uh, Mark Kermode actually summed up gracefully in his in his um, review of it. And he, he said that his main issue with it is the questions that he was left with after the film were all mechanical and not philosophical. Like the great thing about when you watch Inception is you're left thinking about not the mechanics around it. You're left thinking about the philosophy around it, like the act of like the part the subconscious plays in our decision making. Like what would it be like to live in a dream? Like, you know, how connected, how much do our dreams actually mirror our you know, define our sense of self. However, at the end of Tenet, my only questions were, 
but how did that work yeah. with that? What did that do to that? Because again, in the same scene where someone tells the protagonist, oh, don't worry about it, he asks a question about free will and determinism and she goes, oh, don't worry about it. And then he never worries about it again. But it's just like, it's it's a perfect vehicle to start to have a, to frame a philosophical discussion about determinism and Completely. like and free will in this world where they're all doing stuff that they've essentially already done and affecting the future by stuff that they've done that they then will do in the past or vice versa it's it's a really good point and like actually it was the equivalent of saying inception rather than seeing them plan the heist they just jump straight into it like there are two words that are used here yeah. pete to describe a maneuver that you're just supposed supposed to accept and that is a a temporal pincer movement <laughs> and like what I wanted to see was them planning it like they did in Inception where they get the different they assemble the team each one's got a particular quality and they say yeah we need to do this you can work on getting the right dosage of the drug so we can go several layers deep you can design the maze but don't show me the designs and we're seeing that process and we're we're kind of slowly bringing up our speed and understanding the mechanics of it so actually when we go into it as Sam says we can kind of learn about the kind of the philosophy of it and go oh my god what are the implications of this yeah um, really but it, but saying that though the more i've thought about it since the more i've thought that like it it was actually really enjoyable and I, and and obviously the biggest caveat is the fact that like that's the biggest film biggest film i've watched since jojo rabbit i think that was the last film yeah. i saw in the cinema or parasite, like last, maybe last mm, oh, oh no parasite was the last film i saw in the cinema um jojo rabbit just before that um and like it really felt like it was an event even though it was in my it was in my living room like watching a a, no, a Christopher Nolan film no matter how much the film sort of pays off like he knows how to make a film and it is still an event even if his like his politics or his philosophy doesn't always track like it still felt like a, the opening set piece is incredible the score is brilliant it looks absolutely pin sharp um, the actor playing the protagonist, Chris, that is um, John David Washington. John David Washington is um, exemplary. Um, the other actor, Robert Patterson, Batman, Robin Patterson is also, um, and and there's like little things. Their relationship between the two, in multiple watches, I think will will bear fruit, and I think that is maybe where the philosophy lies and more about their relationship than it does the actual thing stuff about determinism um but yeah it was it was still quite an event and um like one that i would have loved to seen in the cinema but i was glad that like i paid a bit of money to to watch because I've, I've really missed that um yeah this was really the guinea pig for um studios to gauge okay can we mm. can we lure audiences out of lockdown into the cinema? And the answer was no. And they lost a hundred million on this film because, understandably, people weren't going to go into the cinema. So, uh, Pete, uh, you and I recently had probably one of the longest gaming sessions I've had in quite some time, actually. Yep. Um, for two reasons. One, because, you know, it was good for us to hang out and play a game together. But, but secondly, because we wrongly assumed we were 
way over three quarters of the way through this game. Yeah. And we weren't. <laughs> we were oh, oh, I'm sure it's about to finish, yeah. It's it's crazy how so many games like flub the ending where you're like, it must be over. Like, A Way Out did this. I feel like maybe the first Last of Us did this. I feel like maybe the Uncharted 4 did this. Uh, but certainly Knights and Bikes does this. Um we were like, yeah, we were what, maybe halfway through, maybe a third of the way through. Yeah, we just got to and. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, 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 what's what's this nights and bikes? Well, rubbish. Uh, Go on. <laughs> well, um, so <laughs> when I, um, so uh, Chris suggested because Chris and I have been playing a bit, little bit of multiplayer games, we've been playing all sorts of bits and pieces, and um, uh, Chris suggested nights and bikes, and I was like. Sounds good. Don't really know much about it. Looked at a couple of the screenshots for it. And um, let me tell you, the first thing I thought was, that's a double fine game. Um, and yes. um, it is sort of. Uh, so it's published by Double Fine, uh, but it's actually developed by a studio called Foam Sword Games. Uh, and it came out a couple of years ago now, I think. Yeah, a year and a bit ago. Yeah, it, it's made up of former members of Media Molecule. Right. Okay, fine. Which kind of makes sense because I think both you and I commented on that as we were playing how it much it felt like their game. Yeah, Tearaway, Little Big Planet. Um, less so, uh, what's their newer one? Dreams. Uh, less so Dreams. But yeah, definitely those two. Um, and um, yeah, when you look at it, you do think, yeah, double fine. Um, it's got that very creative, um, uh, cutesy rebellious i like to think of it as like craft punk like it's got um you know there's elements of kind of like uh mache and um like paper drawing like very much 2d art in 3d spaces reminding me a bit of costume quest as well like you're playing as young young folks uh you know kids they're like what what would you say they are i can't gauge the age of children I mean, what are they probably around 8 or 9 years old each I'd is say. that what is that what it is all right 8 or 9 years old um and um and it's about a small british probably holiday home place holiday like like you might go to Cambersand caravan park or yeah. uh yeah like a caravan park mm -hmm. um butlins like a butlins um, other yes. slightly disappointing holidays are available. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so um, uh, they are, and and um, it's it's set there, and uh, there are two main characters that you can play as. We played this th entirely in co-op, so if you're looking for a two-player story game, uh, this might be one of those. Um, and it's about um, two characters who are in this place together, and they are having make-believe real adventures but that also use make-believe so um so knights and bikes so they are pretending to be knights that are from this island that are part of the history of this area um and they use their bikes these are their steeds uh, so they actually have bicycles and, and you can customize the bicycles and get all these cool things um it's kind of a uh so it's 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 not really an RPG. It's much more of a kind of action game. Yeah, kind of an action game with a story, I guess. Um, and the rebellious... It has this really rebellious nature to it, whereby it's very modern. It's very... Um, 
I'm going to sound very old when I say this, so everyone hold on to something. It feels very right on uh, <laughs> uh, in a sort of in a 2020-2021 kind of way, but it doesn't feel right on in a really cloying, really obvious, really like wearing its colours on its sleeve kind of way. It feels very... It, they do it through the lens of two children who are they that's just the way they think that's just the way they they look at the world they want to see the world in a certain way and it, and it ends up being quite um touching really some of the things that they, they some of the things that they touch upon which I won't spoil because I think they are really good little gentle moments of right onedness that is done really well um and uh and then, yeah, it's the actual like physical play of it is you are fighting these make-believe monsters and wandering around this kind of open world, um, this big area, and um, you go through multiple days, and it's about the adventures that they have. And 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 it reminded me a lot. I don't know about this if this is the same with you, Chris, but it reminded me a lot of like the adventures I might have as a child in the woods or like going on, you know, uh, you know, very young and thinking like coming up with like the lore of what the woods were of like oh that's that tree fell over during the great storm and the reason that it happened was because of this this and this and it's all rubbish it's all just things that kids make up and then pass on down the down the ages or like patterns that they'll see in the in the physical space um so there's a good in the game there's a good example of this uh, there's a there's a wizard's tower and actually it's not a wizard's tower obviously uh, it's actually a crane and the logo looks a bit like a wizard's face but they make it out to be this is a wizard's tower um as you know a kid might do um and yeah i, d- I don't know if it reminded you of that chris like running around making up stuff yeah definitely like building i remember it made me think about when i was a kid in my village we had a den, which was like a tree house. You know, we built like a den in like a tree that was in the graveyard of our local church. Nice. And it's amazing how very little um, you can kind of conjure up these fantastical places. And it's an, it's an example of magical realism, ultimately, as you say, seen through the eyes of these two children, one of which is a local, um, um, is it Demelza, I think her name is, who is this name, yeah. extraordinary kind of um, ball of energy, Demelza, who lives with her dad. And, you know, she's tr- coming to terms with a loss herself and also the potential loss of this caravan site they live in. But she meets uh, Nessa, who's more of a streetwise cool kid who's visiting from offshore because he's obviously set on an island. Mm. And it's about the two of them coming to terms with changes mm-hmm. and also it's about one trying to hold on to this imagination and the other trying to learn what it is to have one and it's wonderful how yeah. they kind of meet in the middle really uh, yeah. as a consequence and certainly you know when, when i talk about you know the the kind of right onedness of it it's certainly the social issues that they're talking about of growing up and understanding yeah. how the world works. Um, and I think that the framing it in that way is really effective because it's also really disarming. Like when you're when you're with those characters and you go through and you see something that is, you know, could have been handled in a really like bash it over your head, like, this is a metaphor kind of way. Um, they don't do that. They 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 really stick to the storytelling and present these very Occasionally very, well, 
generally very delicate scenes in a game that is actually quite riotous, like very loud, colourful. The characters are always making noise, which is great. Like you really feel that they are kiddies. Yeah. Like they are. Um, so, for example, uh, obviously you can sprint. So you can run around, you can walk normally, and then you can sprint. And if you sprint, uh, then your <laughs> the character I was playing as would go... Like and because you know that's just that's that's what they do. Like kids make loads of noise and they pretend to be, you know, pretend to be things that they aren't. And uh, and like it, as I say, it's really, really riotous and um, just really energetic. And the music, oh my oh, goodness me, the title, the opening title is absolutely fantastic. And it really, the title sequence really sets the tone. Like it is like if you're not on board by the end of the title sequence, you're like, like you aren't going to be on board yeah. ever. And 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 that and that lends itself also to the sound design, which is very kind of media molecule. You can see yeah. the fingerprints there, where every kind of, you know, when you get even when you go into the menu, or or when you're kind of like, you know, scrolling through bits of story, you're clicking through it. Each one makes some kind of weird kind of percussive yeah. sound or yeah. kind of like horn sound. <laughs> and when people are talking you hear the sound of metal being kind of scrunched up. And if it's an adult, it's a slightly deeper sound. And when it's children, it's slightly, it's like tinfoil. And it's just really, really lovely. There's something quite satisfying about having that texture there. The, the, you know, I really like the, the other thing for me that this, that this kind of gave me a bit of a nostalgic trip with was if you are British, I don't know if this happens in other countries. I'm sure it must do, but it's certainly if you're British and you have had a holiday at, home as in in britain um and uh you know you've been to one of these you know slightly um naff seaside towns i mean most of my holidays growing up they were in um uh, uh, went to winchelsea it's a nice place uh and rye uh, those two basically uh and nice place but not really a lot for kids to do and also the thing the kind of attractions that are there are old and fading and they've, they're kind of way past their prime and um, maybe a little bit dangerous as well. And this this game really reminded me of that. And I think that, like, it that is a very, as I say, like, that is a really culturally British experience of going to a slightly naff uh, yeah. holiday park and having a wet and dreary you know fish and chips in the car while it rains that kind of yeah. that kind of holiday i think if you were talking about like a triple a game you'd call it like really, you'd make you say oh it feels really premium but it's it's like every element of the game is really thought about it's got every single element of it expresses this mastery of craftsmanship in that the storytelling is really it's it's not complex like in you know like a like you know your your fancy movies um it's not um but it is well written like the characters feel realistic even they're slight uh, even though they are slight caricatures every every once in a while you know there's certainly characters that are slightly uh, more caricature than others um certainly loving caricatures um it's very well written the yeah, art style to it is completely cohesive. Like from every element uh, of things like... Uh, a really good example of this is, you know, as kids, you you um, you get bits and pieces. We talked about this in... Um, what was that game by The Root Lot that we talked about? Um, Ford. 
thought. It, it reminded me quite a lot of that actually. Right, Carl Ferrin's artwork. The but the that thing in that that thing in Fort that thing that is in Knights and Bikes of um you collect elements you you collect things around you as a kid you're like oh I've got eight packets of sweets or like oh I've got a you know a, a ton of little toys over here yeah well in this one like you collect stickers that's kind of like the currency and what where they could have where the where the developers could have like you know really phoned it in they could have just had coins. And nobody would have blinked an eye. But they went with stickers. And then they don't just have an icon of stickers of, like, you have 50 stickers. Like, whenever you want to use them to upgrade something, all of your stickers are spread out in front of you, like a big collage mess. And that is exactly how, you know, I would have had stickers as a kid. Yeah. And every... But it's just... They went to that... They went to that degree of thinking about how do we present this in a really authentic way and that's why i say when i say like really nicely textured everything just feels just really really sweet really superb really like they've just thought about every element of it this is also a treasure hunt it also is embroiled in a pseudo arthurian legend that is built around the area which you're never really sure if it is true or not and that's yeah. what I really quite love. It still straddles oh, that, I love that kind place. Of thing. It's really, really lovely. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, I was playing Nessa and each of us, Pete, we had different powers and abilities, which meant mm-hmm. that if I, I had happily replayed this as the other character because, you know, I got, to, I got an amazing sound system that I could use to divert enemies, like incredible bass and frisbees. I had tons of frisbees I'd throw around. Whereas you, what were your abilities, Pete? I was able to, I was able to kick. I, I do kicks. Uh, I do like a ground pound. <laughs> uh, I have a um, a thing that shoots out like uh, plungers. Um, and I, actually, the thing I really loved about that is it meant that there was no. It did that thing that good co-op games do, which is it removes quarterbacking completely, completely. because you both have to be like yeah. engaged with the game. Um, there's no like. It's not like you can't really quarterback in the same way that you could with like a contra or a metal slug or something like that like there's no oh well they're just better than me i'll just let them do whatever it's you both have to think about like well how do we get past here like mm, that's good it's yeah. really good because that's what i was going to ask because me I, th- I think chris you are the you know you're you're the you're the center of the co-op gaming world mm-hmm. that, we, that we exist in and like I, I i really appreciate like the efforts that you go to to find games and to play with to play with each of us just as little twos because that's kind of easier to to manage than big games of all four of us together so we played like a way out together and like we dipped into don't starve um a little bit um so like could if i bought this would you like or pete like would you be up for playing it again playing as different characters like even if you know how to solve the puzzles like would you be happy playing it again Definitely, because actually what was really lovely about it was that me and Pete could have a good chat while we were playing. Even though it was a yeah. new game, we were playing okay. for the first time. We could have a good chat, and that was nice. Yeah. It was really lovely. Yeah. And nice, it's a really, nice it's a really good game for that. Um, one thing we've not talked about in this game, though, is the MVP of the game. Yeah, Honkers. Captain Honkers, which is Captain the goose uh, follows us. So, Sam, you know in Ghost of Tsushima, you have the wind. Yes. Here we have Captain Honkers. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Who oh, um, so basically good. is like a kind of like a bloodhound who basically always makes sure that we don't get lost as we're kind of Everything. running around this island looking for the treasure. 
just what a delightful, what a delightful game. It, it has that double fine level of you go into it going, I'm going to have a great time and I'm going to laugh and I'm going to be challenged and I'm going to uh, see something that I wouldn't normally see. Um, and it just, yeah. Yeah. So, and it, so it doesn't take itself too seriously. I mean, no. just looking at the names of the trophies, I mean, there was one instance where we overfed Captain Honkers and we got the trophy foie gras. <laughs> MVP honkers I think one thing that um, you know the numerous lockdowns that we've been involved in has like borne fruit is how much I do love a game designed for one or just two people Mm -hmm. like um, Mm -hmm. I find it very difficult to get on with games that call for a higher player count than a minimum of two sure shall I put it that way yeah sure um, so things like, even though Captain Sonar is in my top five games of all time, like the one thing I don't like about it is that it's, I feel like it's four player minimum and that becomes exceedingly difficult. I think in the same way that we're like, all Knights and Bikes is great because it's just two players, whereas we actually really enjoy playing Ghost Recon Wildlands, yep. but that's minimum four players. Yeah, like yeah. it, it's like genuinely some of my best gaming experiences like cosmic encounter is my number one board game of all time but that's like minimum four players like i feel like if you're not playing that with a group of four people then you know it's not going to be as fun um so i've had a couple of three plus games sitting on my shelf for ages Mm -hmm. um both of them are from the same um publisher which is heidelberg games in germany and um they are also probably the two most loveliest things that I have on my shelf. They both come in these very, very small, like, card boxes, and they both come in this very, very shiny gold, like the same sort of material that, like, the shiny stickers in Panini would be Ooh. covered in, or like, a shi- or like a foil from Magic the Gathering is Ooh. in. They come in this really, like, decadent um, gold foil um, boxes, and... The so I'll start with the first one, which is um, Coyote, which is um, a bluffing game. Uh, well, they're both they're both actually bluffing game, hence the reason why playing it with anything less than three people is you know <laughs> very very difficult. Um, and Coyote like sort of like like just spring literally like you open it up and it just like springs from this springs from the box. And I mean, I'll take some pictures for our Instagram feed. Mm. But if I just show you both some of the cards, Chris, Chris, you've 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 already seen these. these. Are, it's just gorgeous. That's pretty wild. But it's this. Um, um, basically, the art is so stunning that there is a whole page in the manual dedicated to the cultural um, uh, background mm. of the um, art on the cards. So the artwork is um, from a Clinket artist, uh, Zona Evan um, Schroyer, who's a um, I don't know if she is, but it comes from a very sort of native part of North America. Okay. I mean, to be exceptionally reduc- reductionist about the art, um, you know that Simpsons episode where Homer eats the really hot chili yep. yes. Yes. and um, gets pursued by a coyote <laughs> sure. uh, played by Johnny Cash, um, Johnny Cash sure. um, which incidentally has some of the best animation artwork in a Simpsons episode ever. Sure. Um, this... Um, artwork on these cards oh, it's just absolutely gorgeous I mean the, the page in this manual starts with a line that says 
There is no word for art in our native languages of North America. We take something practical and make it beautiful. And with all of Heidelbar's stuff, um, I feel like like that's the design ethos running throughout the whole throughout the whole like how they print and design these games. So Coyote is a bluffing game is um, probably the most complicated of the two that I've got here to describe. Um, what you do is there are there are cards in here named from numbered from zero to ten. There's one fifteen. There's one twenty. There's a minus 15, there's a minus 20, and there's a couple of special cards. And you shuffle the cards together. You each have a stand, a card stand that sits in front of you. And you'll take a card from the deck without looking at it. You'll put that um, numbered card in front of you. So everyone around the table can see what number you've got, except for the number that's on their card. And then a random number gets taken off the deck and put down in the center, and that's it. And the aim of the game is basically be the last one standing and what you have to do is you go through a series of rounds where you're betting on what the total value of cards in play is so it's a game it's a bluffing game where you always have to lie because not one player will ever know the truth of what is actually going on in the table so all the information you have is the numbers that are on everyone's cards and then the first player will start with the number um, and then um, they will have to, and then the next player will either have to raise that number, so say a number that's higher, or they'll have to challenge the number that was just that was just said. So let's say, for example, I'm playing, I don't know the number that's in front of me, but Peter, I can see that you've got a five in front of you. Chris, that you've got a three, so a total of um, eight. Um, and I don't know the card that's in front of me, but you can all see it, and it might be a 20. So if I say, like, 10, um, then you know that you can safely raise the number because you know that there's at least a minimum of 10 on the on the deck. And it goes round, it goes round until someone finally challenges, and then all the cards are revealed. If the number of the total cards is lower than the number that w- that has been challenged then the person who has challenged will win okay. basically and they get a uh, basically they're able to they get a bonus for doing that however if the number is equal to or higher than the total number of cards that are in play then the person who did the challenge will lose and the person who did the bidding um will win if you lose you lose a life you got three lives then you all those three lives gone and then you're out um and I mean, it's. it seems on paper like that doesn't have much legs for a game, but it's quite surprising how quickly you cotton on to the fact that you have to do quite a lot with very minimal knowledge in mm. front of mm. you. It's really interesting because I, I tend to avoid bluffing games, but this is actually one of the very few that I enjoy playing once and would happily enjoy playing again yeah it's strange how much fun you get from like such a small number of of mechanics like you think that there is like because there are minus numbers in there there's always a chance that you're just going to get caught out by the deck anyway so but there's always like when we played it there was moments that me and chris would turn to each other because my wife had said something as a bid and we'd know that well it 
it's got to be higher than that number. So we try and so we like subconsciously try to like trap her in certain situations, which is really interesting. Um, and yeah, it's 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 really good fun. I'd have to say the one problem that Coyote has is that because it's a um, a player elimination game, that the moment you get past beyond three players and it's like down to two it loses like a heck of a lot of steam like it kind of like all the pace and all the fun from the game just gets immediately sort of eviscerated and you kind of left wandering which is why which is why spicy oh that packaging spicy is just like for me it's like one of those card games that comes along once in a while which just just has all the goods it just you know i i bought this a german copy of this because i was so desperate to to get hold of this uh, by Zoltan uh, Gaiori, and I think I've probably mispronounced that. Um, the same way, lovely gold foiled cards, but in a different space. Um, all the artwork is very sort of traditional Asian, traditional Chinese. Um, mm-hmm. So the concept of this is that... Um, have you ever played the game Liar? So you probably played it when you were a kid. No. You've got a deck of... Yes. You've got a, hmm, You've got a deck of cards and you'll put a card down face down. You'll go three of clubs or you'll go two sixes. And then the next player goes like three sevens. And basically you've got to, if you say liar, then that person has to reveal all the cards. If it was three sevens that they put down, then you lose the challenge. If it wasn't, you win the challenge. Very simple game. Spicy works in exactly the same way. So you've got three uh, suits of cards, uh, wasabi, pepper, and um, chili. And the artwork on the cards is exceptional. Like the cards are numbered from one to nine. And basically each card tells a story of a tiger getting ever so closer and closer, like inching towards the particular spice. And then by nine, they're like blowing fire out of their mouths as they're like interacting with the spice. Or it's a bit like, like cockroach poker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like in in the case of wasabi, like the nine is like literally like like sweat from his eyeballs as <laughs> he's like eating this like ton of wasabi. It's it's incredible. the The twist in spicy and and why I why I absolutely love it is that you're doing exactly the same where you're you'll pick a spice. And you'll put down a card and say three of chili. And the next person has to do something higher and they'll put like four of chili. And then someone will inevitably make a jump and be like seven of chili. And if you challenge that, what you have to do is you have to make a decision whether you're challenging the number or the spice. So are they lying about the number or the spice that they've put down. Mm. So immediately, for me, what it does is it takes something like the traditional game of Liar, where you are essentially playing against the person, like how well you know the person, how well a a liar are are they, how much of a liar are they, how, how well do you know their tells. And I think it adds just an element of... um deductiveness and reasoning into it where even if you're not good at reading people if you don't know essentially the people around the table if also if you're not very good at bluffing if you're not very good at lying 
it brings just enough doubt into anyone who thinks they're so sure. Like, even if you know they're lying, you can never be sure what they're actually lying about. So it really evens out the playing field. And for a bluffing game, which is... Like, I don't own many bluffing games because I I tend to find them quite hit and miss. Like, Cockroach Poker has been, like, the the pinnacle of the genre for me. And um, Coyote's great. But spicy, I think, goes toe to toe with cockroach poker for me because it does such a great job of not. It does such a great job of making the players around the table feel like welcomed by the game, mm. that they don't have to be yeah. a great liar, like they don't have to like know what people's tells are, they don't have to like think tactically or cut or count cards, yeah. like they can just play and. People will get stuff wrong because you always have to make that choice yeah. of, yeah, they're lying, but about what? Exactly. And you can always flip a coin. And for me, Sam, the equivalent of that in Cockroach Poker is where, like, when somebody says, look, I'm playing a stink bug and they slide the card towards you, you don't have to make that call there. And then you can actually choose to pick up the card, look at it and say, actually, yes. and then pass it on to somebody else. And and for somebody who tends to avoid bluffing games because I don't like that feeling of, oh, yeah, you were right, yeah, because I wasn't very good at lying. It yeah. makes me feel comfortable going into it because, as you say, I, I am lying, but what am I lying about? And, and you know, and if you, if you, if you, even if you can't call it, just flip a coin. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and it just keeps it fun. It keeps it exciting. And, and for me, bluffing games are at their best when everyone has a laugh, that it's not overly tense, at all around the table that actually mm-hmm. it's the tension is you know somebody wants to laugh and they're stopping themselves and it's that yeah. tension that i like um particularly and i think that yeah, as you say sam this this brings that both spicy and coyote does that definitely you know this you know this time cap thing that yeah got? yeah go on. oh yeah so at the moment like very minimal goals um vitamin d every day eat fruit to drink water eight classes only allowed one snack a day watch a film every month i'm gonna give you guys a power to add something (laughs) to my my time cap okay so it can be either something i can track the time of uh just something i can achieve by checking off or something that i've got to get to a certain count of um to achieve you got a choice of two from me sam all right The first one is, uh, I've been uh, reading this book, Humankind. It's kind of changed how I think about people. Uh, and a lot of it is to do with, uh, is to do with uh, selflessness, other people seeing selflessness and acts of giving, encouraging other acts of giving, basically. Okay. Uh, so you can either um, do one good deed for a stranger... For somebody you don't don't know, and again, yeah, very loose definition of that. Once a month, could yeah. be small, could be big, whatever you want, or paint one of your blood bowl minis <laughs> every month. <laughs> oh, Sam, are you, is it, Sam, do you reckon you'd ever be tempted to think, "Oh, sod it, I'll just do everything in three hours, and that will be done." <laughs> I'll do everything. I'll I'll just neck all the water for the day in one go. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So this is Staying In, and that was the end of another episode of this podcast. Uh, my name's Sam Turner. I was on the show along with Chris Darby and Peter Willington. Thank you so much um, for listening. I hope your new year is going well. Uh, honestly, we really do, and we really appreciate you listening and um, downloading the show, uh, joining us on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook, uh, seeing our posts and commenting. It really means the world to us and we really try and share a little bit of our lives with you to hopefully make everything that's going on seem a little bit less daunting and scary, hopefully. Fingers crossed. If you want to join us there, then just search for at Staying In Pod. Now, if you are currently experiencing the joys of lockdown three and you're looking for something to do something to keep yourself occupied then we have got you covered not only is there extensive back catalogue of podcasts that you can listen to if you one of the people who've just joined us uh, you can do that by just scrolling back on your device of choice or going to stayinginpodcast.com you can also by using stayinginpodcast.com get links to our steam curated and board game geek curated pages on there we have all the video games you've ever spoken about and we have all the board games you've ever spoken about and links to what shows we spoke about them on and so if you're looking for something to play if there's just two of you in the house maybe there's just one of you or maybe there's three or four of you and you're looking for a game to play we will have you covered if you don't want to do all the legwork just send us a message just ask us on twitter or instagram or Facebook. One of us will get back to you. If you're looking for a suggestion of something to play, we will be there. Um, you can also send us an email, stayinginpod at gmail.com if you have a question you want to ask or maybe something that you think we should be sharing with everyone else on the show. You can join us and you can share with us. We welcome it. Anyway, until the next time, stay safe. Please look after yourselves and take care. Bye-bye.